Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental. Keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Hello, and thanks for joining me. This is Jenny Cressman, the host of whatever we're going to call this show. We're in the process of transitioning to a new name, but the final selection has not yet been made. In fact, if you want to weigh in, hop on Facebook and look for the author Jenny Cressman page. Then scroll around until you see a big fat bagel, where you'll find a list of possible names. Currently, the favorites are Jenny's World, an obvious choice, and Everything Bagels, a fun choice. The show isn't about bagels, of course, but it is about everything or anything. Maybe one day I'll interview someone who's a bagel aficionado. Who knows? But never fear, my dear, no matter what name we end up with, the show's format will remain the same. Conversations with interesting people who are doing interesting things. And the current theme music will also stay the same. Jesse Cook's Bogota by Bus. Well, that is, it'll all stay the same until we change In the it. studio with anyway, today is on with artist, the show. photographer, writer, and fellow cubophile. Welcome, Tom Dietrich. Thank you, Jenny. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm glad to have you finally in Canada. Yes. You've had quite a sojourn in Cuba, as I understand it. Oh. And now, for those who know me, they'll know that as a Cubophile, I often say Cuba changed my life, changed the course of my life. I think that's even more significant for you. Can oh, you tell us about absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, interesting, I found out that you and I were sort of neighbors and didn't reala- realize it. <laughs> yes, that's it's true. Just down the hike. Um, yeah, I've never been uh, somebody who took my holidays in the wintertime. I always saved them for the hot weather. <laughs> and uh, one day I went to, I got drawn into a, a course in Cuba and that, that was my experience. And I went in February for a photography course Ah, and, uh, and it's a slippery slope. <laughs> you get to know the people you get to, and, and all of a sudden it's not a holiday anymore. You're, you're visiting friends and family and very quickly and. And I think I'm just trying to remember the day. I think it was 2010, the first time I went. And, sure, that uh, would have been a year after me then. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I went to a little town called Chivarico, which is about an hour west of the big town of Santiago de Cuba. Yes. Uh, well, and I've traveled along that coast numerous times, and I had no idea. I could have stopped in for coffee. You could have. <laughs> absolutely. Cuban coffee. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The best. It's un- awesome. Yeah. So you started going there, you quickly fell in love with the country and the people, and then a certain person? Oh, yeah. At uh, mm-hmm. uh, Just around uh, June of 2019, um, I was actually flying out of Cuba, and a friend of mine said, uh, let's go for lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a silly guy. He thought, this is a good time to introduce you to somebody. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm leaving the country, so I met, uh, I met uh, this wonderful woman, and... Uh, of course, you know, we had an hour before my flight and uh, uh, we we were writing ever since, like almost daily. And, okay. And uh, so I thought, what am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm only in Cuba two or three weeks out of the year. And, and then along came COVID. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so during COVID, you spent a lot of time in Cuba? I did. Uh you know, being a, a an artist, I, I have some ability to organize my time, and I had uh, I had already done that a little bit. Just that it, this person was very interesting on paper, and I went, oh, "What's she like real, in real life?" 
Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but I, re- I, I rearranged it uh, so to get to know her a little bit. And uh, uh, I thought I was going to stay in Cuba and, until in beginning of April, and then COVID hit. So that would have been April 2020? That's right. Okay. And, uh, and ironically, that's when I had a group that was supposed to go to Cuba, but was canceled because of COVID. For that reason. Oh, geez. Yeah. A lot of people's lives were upended as, uh-huh. as a result of that. And, and the government coming out and saying, you know, please, if, if you're abroad, come home. And if you're mm-hmm. home, stay at home. And mm-hmm. and a daughter at home, it was saying, dad, dad, it's really serious. They're, they're saying it's serious. Come home. And I thought, well, I'm, but I'm kind of caught in between here. Yeah. But I did end up going home. Uh-huh. And, uh. And then that was a long, what, six, nine months? That was seven months. Seven months. Of booking flights, canceled flights, booking flights, mm. canceled flights. And mm-hmm. then you get to the point where you figure this is the new normal. And, and it, uh, although intellectually, you know, it's going to happen that one of these days you'll be on an airplane. It, it you know, you, you just get stuck in the, the virtual uh, cancellation mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, eventually in November of 2020, I was able to get back uh-huh. after seven months of being apart. And then once I got back, I got stuck. Oh, you couldn't get a flight out I, or your heart got stuck? Well, both really, <laughs> actually. Uh, both happened. Um, I, uh, I'm i not sure when they canceled the flights, but the government was trying to dissuade people from taking holidays. Mm. And so I believe it was probably around March because they knew March break was coming up and people uh-huh. would go to sunny destinations. Um, so I had the similar choice that I had in 2020, but this time I, I chose to stay. And so I was uh, uh, and well stuck in Cuba for seven months. I had to renew my visa twice. And hmm. uh, as a Canadian, we get three months visa to begin with. Okay. Uh, six month maximum, but they made exceptions because of COVID. Mm. So I was living as a Cuban, yeah. Essentially, with yes. the exception, I could when there were flights, I could leave whenever I wanted. But that also led you to some very interesting projects while you were essentially stuck in Cuba. It it did um, because uh, I, I am an artist, but uh, really my art practice doesn't translate well to to carry with me because I work too large and sort of sculptural, and uh, so I thought, well, what am I going to do? And because I'm connected with a lot of people who also have connections with the, the Cuban people, I thought, well, I'm going to, uh, I've been wanting to write more. And I thought, I'm just going to do sort of a day in the life of, uh, and I call it the Cuba Chron- Chronicles. And uh-huh. uh, I, I had a newsletter group that I was sending this out to sort of my, my day to day life in Cuba. I was a little careful to say this is from the from a the perspective of a Canadian. I'm always worried about uh, uh, we have a propensity to try and judge things through from our own perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just we we have a different way of experiencing the world. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a challenge. So, um, but uh, yeah, and I I began writing at that time. There was a lot going on. Uh, uh, the COVID had really hit the world. Uh, people were scrambling to find a, a vaccine. Uh, 
Cuba, uh, much of the world didn't realize, was working on five of their own vaccines. Yeah, yeah. They have a very strong biotech industry they yeah. have had for a long time that the world really doesn't know about in a big way. Well, and this is the thing. And Cuba ended up, um, I, I, I believe three of them uh, reached phase three and, and beyond and uh, the mm-hmm. whole island. They've, they've got the highest uptick in vaccine rate in, in, in the world, really. Yeah. Uh, including getting uh, booster shots. Yes. Um, so I was there for a lot of that. I was there, and, but also uh, as Canada worried about their economy crashing, well, here's a little island, which yeah. primarily is tourism. When all the flights are shut down, there's mm-hmm. no tourism. Yes. So their economic crisis, which they already had, deepened. Yes, yes, very much so. And they were madly trying to vaccinate people and then ran out of syringes. They had none. Uh, Well, and that was part of the blockade, too. Yes, yes, Uh, of course. But you figured out a way around that, how you could help the people. Can you tell us a little bit about how that worked out? Yeah, I can. Uh, If I could backtrack a little bit. Um, One of my letters that I sent out, sort of a day in the life shopping, Mm -hmm. spoke a lot of the, uh, the huge lineups for what little commodities they had what little food they had um and i sent that letter and a friend of mine picked up on it uh trina coster she's uh, the organizer of the photo group that i was on and uh immediately uh a dialogue between her and i started about what can we do and uh, and i had sent packages to cuba before through through a company that uh uh you know, transports things to Cuba. And uh, we latched on the idea, uh, or Trina did, to uh, raise money to, to send some of the n- necessities that they couldn't get. They couldn't yeah. get soap. They couldn't get toothpaste. They, feminine products were non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, medicine, spices, things like that. And through her efforts on, on the Canadian side, she raised over $10,000. Wow. And we airlifted about uh, 40, 45, 50 packages for families. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, from that effort, I thought, well, I can do this. And, um, a little later I thought, well, what do they really need? Uh, because you know, that, that's a great stopgap what we did, but you mm-hmm. know, and I thought right now they, they need the vaccine mm-hmm. and what's stopping them from the vaccine is syringes, uh, through Trina's effort. I made a connection with a pharmacist here in Canada a fellow by the name of Danny Louie uh, from Guelph. And uh, uh, he agreed to help me with this project. I raised about $10,000 as well mm. through Facebook friends and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that, we bought 30,000 syringes, 8,000 surgical masks, uh, about 10 uh, digital thermometers, medicines, painkillers, and uh, organized to have them transported. Uh, Initially, I was going to bring them with me because I had uh, 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 discovered a private flight. Oh yeah, uh, th- uh, that offered to that we could bring uh-huh. uh, aid with us. But uh, uh, the private flight didn't didn't turn. I was able to get down, but the medic- medical aid couldn't. So at that point, we had to find other resources to get down. So that that project took me about eight months before I could finally find another way to get it down, but it's wow. all there. 
Okay, and so all of that went to the Chivarico area, uh, it that went, community? Yeah, because my calculation was 30,000 syringes, the mm-hmm. Chivarico area, uh, 10,000 people, their vaccine, three mm-hmm. three shots for their vaccine, yes. 30,000. So it all went there, it all arrived. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful positive COVID experience, yeah. positive COVID experience in a different way for positive, I guess. And so we're going to stop right here and have a little commercial break. And then we'll be right back to talk more about Cuba and also about art okay. and creativity. So stay with us. I'm Jenny Cressman, and I'll be right back with Tom Dietrich. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Hello again. I'm back with Tom Dietrich in the studio today, and I'm still Jenny Cressman, and we're still talking about Cuba. I love it. <laughs> so we left off talking a little bit about Chivarico and the things that Tom has done to help that community. But he also affiliated himself with an art gallery, and the gentleman who was in charge of that uh, became a partner in a business endeavor. Can you tell us about that, Tom? Sure, Jenny. I'm pleased to. Uh, the first time to Cuba, as I, I mentioned, was for a photo course, um, and it just happened to be in this community of Chivarico in a little hotel of 32 rooms called Los Galeanos. And this fellow, uh, his name is Armand Portuando. He was the director of the gallery. Uh, and you can't, this is radio, so you can't see the air quotes. Uh, <laughs> but, um, it, he was also, um, a part of the program that, Trina Coster put together. He uh, provided cultural education uh, mm-hmm. and also critiqued our photos as well. Ah. So I made a connection with him mm-hmm. and uh, he and I have become friends uh, and well, since now we're 13, 13 years. Wow. And uh, yes, we've uh, created a, a bed and breakfast in, in Chivarico overlooking the ocean. And, Casa uh, Particular. Casa Particular, that's right. People who are familiar with B&Bs in Cuba. That's it. And, uh, you know, four bedrooms are for rent with bathrooms, air conditioners, and, and he's the chef. Oh, nice. You know. Nice. Now, so he has a gallery. Have you had a show or talked about having a show there of your work? No, uh, I haven't. I've, I've been in shows at that gallery through different ways. Herman mm-hmm. uh, up until COVID was visiting Canada every year ah. uh, as my uh, my invitation mm-hmm. uh, on a cultural exchange. Um, and um, uh, about the third year in, he did he did an exhibition called TNT, um, and uh, which was uh, an homage to myself, Tom, mm-hmm. and Trina. Uh, the uh-huh. photographer, and uh, he he put together an exhibition which uh, was uh, abstract art. Uh, he's a surrealist artist, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was uh, a sculptural representation of the connection between Photocuba, myself, and him. Uh, and he uh, drew heavily on my form of art, which is the uh, abstract, abstract landscape. Aha, uh-huh. wonderful. Yeah. Well, since we don't have the visuals, no. can you describe some of your art? Well, I'm 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 an officer. I I'd like to uh play with the idea of how we're connected. Okay. And it's it's a very difficult large uh theme, but uh for me is I'm I'm looking more at how we're connected organically. Okay. Uh it's it's I guess it's sort of environmental, although I I I try it's not uh, with the intention to be environmentalist, but mm-hmm. uh, 
know, I sometimes think that we forget that we're also organic, that we, we uh, associate ma- uh, more. I was going to switch to Spanish there. <laughs> we associate uh, more with built environments than we do with the natural world. We forget we're part of that. Yeah. And so I do a lot of these uh, pieces that are based on nostalgia, sort of uh, 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 Gaussian blurs, backgrounds. And, mm-hmm. and then I impose sculptural elements on, on top of that, uh, which, uh, you know, often playing with the grid. And I'll have multiple panels. The uh, mm-hmm. you know, largest piece I've done is about uh, 25 by 12 feet mm. um, installed in a, a head office in, in uh, Cambridge. Uh-huh. Uh, but then, you know, the, they're engaging pieces that sort of you connect it. You, cause the, you can see that it's a landscape. The Gaussian blur sort of plays with our idea of nostalgia. Okay. We invent what we think is environmental. We have a mm-hmm. love of the natural spaces. Well, and now some of the notes that you sent to me, and for mm-hmm. those of you who um, are not as familiar with the show, I send out uh, a little sheet that I request information from each of the people I'm going to be interviewing. And one thing that Tom wrote um, that I thought was quite interesting, I like to challenge my viewer to see the familiar in a new way and to perhaps learn a little about their own perceptions in the process. I think that's very intriguing. Oh, thank and you. do you feel that you're, you're um, successful in doing that? And do you get feedback that gives you the idea that uh, people are picking up on what you're putting down as uh, work? Absolutely. I, I have one piece as a reference point, uh, which I call Stack, uh-huh. uh, which I still own, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, the reason is, is uh, I, I've had so many commentaries in the studio. People love the piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I should say that. Um, and, uh, you know, the concept came from when I went to the lumber store and you see a stack of lumber Oh yeah. and there's always that one piece that's kind of out of whack. It's not quite lined up. And <laughs> I don't know if it's my own obsessive compulsive, <laughs> you just want to line things up. Yeah. So I created a piece on that idea. You can't push that bottom board in because it's got all the weight on top of it. Right. It's kind of like Jenga. Yeah. And so I created a piece, uh, that was a, a, a tree in the forest. Mm-hmm. But uh, with, uh, I think it's 11 panels, uh, horizontal panels, and I've moved the panels a little bit. So it creates the image a little off kilter. Mm. And I've had people talk about that. And one lady, actually, she didn't know I was the artist. She said, I, I, I feel like what the artist should have done is put them so that you could move them. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I talked to her and I said, yeah, and I introduced myself yeah. and I said, yeah. I, I love that idea. I said, but you know what you're going to do. I said, you're going to have your friends over. You're going to say, look what I can do. And, and you'll show them the piece. And then at, at the end of the day, I said, what are you going to do? And she looked at me. She says, I'm going to line them all up. <laughs> I said, exactly. <laughs> I said, but the point is you can't. Yeah. And she loved it. But, you know, mm-hmm. then I guess other people's OCD kicks in and think, I don't know if I can live with that. But you have a lot of works that people are living with. That's right. And when you were based in Guelph prior to moving to Muskoka, right. you would have been very connected with the community there. You referenced Cambridge already. Yes, I was. So, uh, um, are you still showing in some of the galleries down there? Uh, well, uh, COVID, COVID has uh, done a number on a lot of galleries. Uh, sure. And so um, I was involved in a number of shows. Uh, there's, a, there's an art studio tour in in Guelph. I was also in a Milton gallery, mm-hmm. uh, which has uh, since closed. 
Currently, I have uh, work showing here in uh, Bracebridge at the Britain Gallery. Oh, yes. So I'm located there. Um, and a lot of artists are going online, really, yeah. and well, selling directly. Prior to COVID, you were also strongly involved in the Muskoka art community through MAST. I was, Muskoka yeah. Autumn Studio That's Tour. Right. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not sure what's happened to that. I think that may have closed down as, uh, you know, mm. and whether it's going to continue. I think really we're in a rebuilding phase, the, the art community. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited to, you know, I've got so much that's happened to me in the last three years. I'm, I'm happy to finally be back in the studio to see how that's all going to come tumbling out and what new uh, questions I can create for my, my viewers. Well, it'll also be interesting to see what influence your new situation in life has on your art that's with right. a new wife in that's your right. home who's new to Canada, seeing snow for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and the best way to, you know, we love seeing, we love Christmas because we see it through the eyes of a child. Uh-huh. Well, I get to see Canada, uh, Muskoka, through the eyes of somebody who's never been here. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's, uh, we've, we've only been back for about a week and already, uh-huh. already it's everywhere we go. I, I was sort of ready for it, but at the same time, it's really exhilarating. Yeah. Well, I I think that will have a significant impact on your art. And I'm very excited to see what you produce in the future. Well, thank you. Me too. (laughs) Come on by. (laughs) Well, do you have any hints? Do you have any clues about what direction things are going to go? Well, uh, really, I've got a few pieces that I'm finishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's uh, I'm sort of a housekeeping sort of person when it comes to my studio space. Mm. I need to clear the space. Ah. Uh, So I'm clearing the space. and uh, it's it's a little bit about play. It's a little bit about uh, it's a, kind of a, a Zen process where you allow mm-hmm. things to come out. So I'm, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm not trying to pigeonhole it. I, I mm-hmm. really want to let it flow. And yeah. uh, and it always does. And I'm I get to see it for the first time as well. Yeah, you just have to kind of trust the process and go with the flow and all yeah. those idioms. And <laughs> every artist has their own process, too, yeah. and that's it. So, yeah. yeah. And are you at this point planning another trip back to Cuba? Uh, we're, we're, we aren't planning it. It'll probably be sometime late summer when we go back. Uh, mm-hmm. it just It'll be a long time for my wife to have been away from her family for the first time. Yes. Um, and so we'll probably go back maybe in August. And was this also the first time she's been out of Cuba, period? Absolutely. Wow. So she's got the whole meal. I always joke with my Cuban friends. I said, we always come to visit you in February. Why don't you come to visit us? <laughs> and usually I get a, I get a resounding no. <laughs> but this time I finally convinced someone to come with me and uh, she's enjoying it. She's loving it. Have you had a snowball fight yet? No, no. Okay. I, I, I you know, we're, we're still working on, on maintaining family harmony here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, very good. We will look forward to uh, seeing what you produce, Tom, and hearing more from you in the future, I'm sure. And this is Jenny Cressman saying goodbye to Tom Dietrich. Thank goodbye, you. Tom. Thank Adios. you. Bye-bye. Adios. Hasta luego. <laughs> Hasta luego. And you'll be able to find a podcast of this show with Tom on Facebook after it finally airs on 88.7 The Bay. Thanks for listening. Bye.